You are Locked On Raiders, your daily Oakland Raiders podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather beaten. He wears a hooded sash with a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. Trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On Raiders podcast on this Wednesday, May the 1st, 2019. That's right, first of the month. It is back, and not only is it the first of the month, but it gets me excited because a lot of you probably don't know because I wasn't doing the podcast at this time of year last year, but Cinco de Mayo is my favorite holiday of the year for obvious reasons, and this is not to be disrespectful, and this is not to be funny. I just like Cinco de Mayo because it's a fun, celebratory type holiday. So on my radio show on ESPN Central Texas, I always tell everybody Cinco de Mayo is my favorite holiday. It's the least expensive, like Christmas costs you a lot of money. Thanksgiving, you got to have a lot of family come over, and everyone knows that, well, a lot of family coming over gets boring at times. So you think about it, look at the rest of the holidays. Cinco de Mayo is the best one. New Year's is pretty cool too, but it's always at a weird day of the week or something, so it always kind of messes with me. But for the most part, Cinco de Mayo is my favorite holiday. So we're staring at May 1st right now. Cinco de Mayo is coming up this Sunday. Probably going to have to celebrate on Saturday and a little bit on lightweight on Sunday and then get ready for work again on Monday. But either way you look at it, man, it's right around the corner. So I'm excited. It's the first of the month. It's May the 1st. We're already already into the fifth month of the year. It's crazy. Sooner than we know it, man, we'll be staring training camp right in its face and then boom, preseason games and then all of a sudden regular season games. Either way, it's super exciting. But yeah, welcome to... The new month. Welcome to May 1st, 2019. Coming up on today's show, segment number three, I'm going to have some calls from the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. I uh, got a lot of them. I want to sift through them, so I'm trying to get as many as possible. Probably sometime this week, I might just have a whole episode where it's nothing but calls. Maybe even do two episodes and just put them on the same podcast, if that makes any sense. Maybe, uh, you know, I have to go and get two different shows, if that makes sense. Maybe I'll do that for Friday. I don't know. We'll kind of see how how time permits. But there's a lot of calls, and I want to really, really get to them. So that's going to come up in segment number three. In segment number two, I'm going to talk about the major media, the national media, all the talking heads out there suddenly giving the Raiders a lot of props, how they're talking about how great their draft was. And look, I'm not complaining. I'm really not complaining, and their draft, in my opinion, was really, really good. But I'm just going to talk about how all of a sudden, quickly, it changed face. Is all of a sudden, quickly, everyone's turning their corner like, whoa, hey, look at them out west. They're doing some big things. Oh, wow, look how great Mike Mayock is at his job. Look how great John Gruden's at his job. It's just funny to all of a sudden hear all these talking heads talking about all the good things that the Raiders are doing suddenly. Again, not complaining about it, just kind of thought that it was funny. So in segment number two, going to talk all about that. I got some audio pieces that I want you to hear from as well, and I think you'll really, really enjoy that. So that's coming up in segment number two. Here in segment number one, you know what I usually do, give you the news and the notes of the day or the past day and uh, talk about that, and then, like I said, lead you into segment number one, or segment number two, excuse me. So as you're probably aware of, there's not a whole lot of news and notes from uh, Tuesday, but I'm going to give you what passed down or what came down in anyway. And uh, that was some post-draft cuts. We know that once the draft hits and once the undrafted free agents start to get signed, obviously you got to clear some roster spots. And I believe as of Tuesday morning, the Raiders had like 95 people on their roster. Well, you know you got to cut that down to at least 90. So five guys were released on Tuesday. Uh, James Butler, running back out of Iowa. Okay. Uh, Kaysen Collins, a linebacker out of North Carolina. Rashard Davis, wide receiver out of James Madison. Cameron Hunter, a, a guard in the center out of Oregon. And D. Mornay L. Pearson, wide receiver out of Nebraska. You like how I navigated through that. D. Mornay L. Pearson, which is an awesome name, but no longer a Raider. He was a wide receiver out of Nebraska. So those five players were released. Again, it's not a big deal. Nothing that you would thought that, oh my goodness, what's going on? No, I mean, that's just what happens. When you bring a lot of players in, you've got to make room for them. So those five guys have been released. There's probably going to be some more guys being released because as veterans get released from other teams, the Raiders might find guys that they're kind of interested in and say, hey, let's bring this guy in. Well, 
well, you got to keep it at 90. And then as you get through training camp and training camp is over, then that's when it gets cut down to 53 men. And then that's when the nuts and the bolts really come together. And then you figure out who the real roster is going to be. It used to be, remember, it used to go from 90 to, I believe, 73 and then 53 or 75 and then 53. Now it just goes directly from the 90 to the 53. That's a whole lot of players getting cut at one time. So, yeah, right now it is all good. 90 players, and uh, that, that's what it is. So James Butler, Casey Collins, Rashard Davis, Cameron Hunt, and D. Mornay, L. Pearson, all cut on Tuesday from the Raiders. Also, some news that came out on uh, Tuesday. Off-season workout dates were announced. I found this kind of funny only because of one reason. The first day was announced, which the first day of off-season workouts is April 15th. Well, if you look at the calendar, it was absolutely April 30th when this came out. So it's going on right now. It's currently ongoing. And uh, now with it being May 1st, it's still continuing. But uh, it's just on the on the protocol. It's on the sheet that they sent out, that the Raiders sent out as a team. And the NFL also sent out all the dates for all the teams. So first day, April 15th. The Raiders are going through that right now. All right, rookie minicamp. All the guys that you saw selected, all the guys that are undrafted free agents, all the guys that get invited to rookie minicamp will all be taking part in this. That's May 3rd through the 5th. That is this weekend. That is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That means no single de Mayo partying for these guys. They're going to be on the grind. They're going to be working. They're going to get busy as first-time NFLers with the Oakland Raiders. So rookie minicamp, May 3rd through 5th. That is this weekend. Then, OTA off-season workouts. Now things are starting to get a little bit more active. Teams are starting to come together. You're starting to see a little bit more activity. So May 3rd to May 5th is a rookie minicamp. Then there's nothing until OTA off-season workouts, which is May 21st through 23rd, May 28th through 30th, and June 3rd through 6th. So it's three clumps of three days. May 21st through 23rd, May 28th through 30th, and then June 3rd through June 6th. So that's OTA off-season workouts. That is not mandatory, but again, you want to see as much attendance as possible. You want to see the team start to come together and start to work as a team. Obviously, that's going to be something that John Gruden's going to want as many people as possible at in attendance because he wants to start to get together with his team and get his team formed and see what guys can do what in the offense. There's no popping up pads and all that good stuff. And, you know, there's no tackling and all that, but there's still different activities that will be going on. So OTA offseason workouts, in my opinion, that's when things really get cracking. Obviously, rookie minicamp is important for the rookies, but OTA offseason workouts, that's when the veterans are present or they can be present. Now, this is when it gets serious. Mandatory minicamp, June 11th through June 13th. Mandatory minicamp. What that means is, well, everybody who's under contract needs to be there. So every player that is under contract with the Oakland Raiders should be in attendance June 11th through 13th. Now, sometimes you see guys hold out because they're looking for a new contract or a contract extension. Hopefully, in 2019, the Raiders don't have any of those guys. I don't see those any of those guys, uh, but you never know. Maybe Rodney Hudson holds out because he's going into the final year of his contract and he hasn't been extended yet. I really hope the Raiders do that. That may be one guy. I don't know his personality. I don't know his agent. I can look it up, but I haven't. But, uh, you know, maybe his agent says, hey, you should hold out. Who knows? But that would be like maybe one guy I could possibly see doing that. But everyone else should be in attendance as far as I'm concerned. If you're under contract, you should be there. And if you're not, you could be fine. So that's June 11th through June 13th. So hopefully, if you're like me, you've gone through, and as I've ran through those uh, those dates, you put them on your calendar, on your little desktop calendar. That's what I do at the job, so I know what's going on all the time. And uh, if you didn't, if you don't follow me on Twitter, I tweeted those dates out as well. So if you do, at your boy Q254, you could jot them down that way. Also, uh, something else I want to talk about following the draft, notable unsigned NFL free agents. Now, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of veterans that still are unsigned. But there's a couple guys out there that are pretty interesting. And Field Yates had this tweet. He put this out. Ziggy Ansah. He's a guy who's out there. And I know a lot of Raider fans have called the, the, the Raider podcast voicemail line and talked about him. He's a guy that I wouldn't touch right now because he's dealing with a shoulder injury. And uh, he's recovering from offseason surgery. He's probably not going to be ready to, or cleared medically to like mid-August. So that's a hard pass for me. Like, nah, if he's not going to be ready till at least August, that's just about, I mean, the preseason's almost over then. You know what I mean? I mean, you're staring, you're staring September right in the face if you're not going to be even clear till August. So I would pass on him. Even though he's a veteran pass rusher, and I'm sure you can get him pretty, pretty cheap, uh, I, I would give him a hard pass. And again, I think, even with what the Raiders did in the draft, I think it would be cool if they added like one more veteran, even if he wasn't like a big-time name, just another veteran uh, pass rusher. Just because, one, you can never have too many of these guys, and there's some guys that are out there that are still hungry that probably have something to prove that might, might give you a little something if you give them like a one-year deal. So Ziggy Ansah is out there. 
Eric Berry, definitely passing on him. Don't need uh, him at the safety position. Uh, Nadamakan Su, I would kind of be interested in him, depending on the price, even though I know that the Raiders are pretty deep at the defensive tackle position. But if you saw what he did with the Rams when he was motivated, and that's the problem with Sue, he's not motivated to play all the time. But when he was motivated to play on their little push in the playoffs and, and their, their run to the Super Bowl, he was even playing some edge. He was coming off the edge, and he was dominating. He was like Nebraska Sue again, but he doesn't have that all the time. So maybe if nobody ever signs that dude or d- doesn't sign him for a long time, maybe the Raiders could give him a, 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 a low ball veteran deal and bring him in and he could be a rotational guy I really wouldn't even be mad at that Uh, but again he probably wants more money and he probably wants more incentives to be playing all the time right now I like what they have as far as far as Mo Hurst goes Uh, PJ Hall is gonna have to step up but if he doesn't Jonathan Hankins is there but I think that Sue would be a nice addition if the price is right so I would kind of put an asterisk next to him and say, maybe, maybe take a look at him. Jamie Collins, the linebacker, he's still available. Uh, he could be an interesting piece. I don't know what he's going to want. Uh, he, he was released from Cleveland not too long ago uh, before the before the offseason really got ramped up, and uh, he hasn't found him a home yet. Um, and then Shane Ray. Uh, Muhammad Wilkerson's out there too, but I, I, I don't even want to mention him. Shane Ray, he visited the Raiders. I don't know what they thought of him, but he's also a guy. He's still very young, so I would definitely take a look at him. I, I, I would have no problem with the Raiders taking a look at him. So basically, if you're looking at just the list that I gave you right now, I would have no problem with them uh, you know, kicking the tires on Sue, kicking the tires on Jamie Collins, kicking the tires on Shane Ray. Those are the three players that I really would be comfortable with if they decided, you know what? Let's just go ahead and bring in one more vet. Now, this is before any of the veterans get cut from other teams, and there will be some vets with some pretty big names get cut at some point. I don't know who that's going to be right now, but at some point you'll see somebody cut from a team and think, dang, why did they let him go? Well, you know, there's always reasons. So if you bring in one of these guys on a one-year deal, I wouldn't have any problem with that, especially if you combine them with what the Raiders just did in the draft. I think that you have some uh, something going then. You know, you're, you're cooking with grease, like I like to say. So uh, again, those are three names to kind of look out for. Ziggy Ansah, I cross him off the list because he won't be available till at least mid-August, and uh, I don't want a guy that has absolutely no training camp in him especially coming off an uh, injury like that. I'm good on that. And uh, one more little note I want to I wanna speak on real quick before I get into segment number two. I am tired, and it's funny because this is a great segue because I'm going to talk about the national media that's given the Raiders a lot of props. We're going to talk about that in segment number two. But I am really kind of tired of watching NFL Network and seeing Jack Del Rio rip the Raiders. And he's not really ripping them. He's more like low-key ripping them. He's not even really just blatantly ripping them. He's just kind of like, oh, you know, they hit a lot of singles and doubles in the draft. They didn't hit any home runs. They didn't do it, you know, which they didn't. I'm not asking for them to hit home runs, but they had a damn good draft. And instead of really giving them the props, it's like, I want to give them props, but I can't give them props because it's my ex, and I don't want my ex to know that, that she's doing better than me. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's kind of the, the, the feeling I get when I see Jack Del Rio on uh, NFL Network. And I love NFL Network. I watch it all the time. I uh, have a lot of folks that work for, for NFL Network. I think are great people. Uh, Omar Ruiz is one of them. MJ Acosta is another one. Obviously been on the show multiple times, but... I just really, uh, just kind of irks me now. At first, when Jack Del Rio was on there, I thought, okay, it's cool. You know, I get it, man. He's going to be on there once or twice. He'll, he, you know, he might mention the Raiders. But now he's on there all the time. And so I guess what he's doing is his little media tour. And now they're going to go to him all the time to talk about the Raiders. And I'm kind of, kind of getting tired of hearing him try to do little, little, you know, little, little stabs in the dark or whatever. You know, trying to get you with a razor blade when you're not looking or something. You know, just trying to, trying to get a little dig in while he can. That, I'm kind of getting a little bit tired of that. But again, I mean, if that's the biggest problem I have, then whatever. But yeah, I don't know about you, but Jack Del Rio on NFL Network is starting to wear a little bit on me. All right, but for the positive, the positive is coming up in segment number two. A lot of the national media has turned their mind and, and, and fixed their face and, and changed their opinion on what the Raiders, what John Gruden, what Mike Mayock are doing. A lot of positive is coming out of the national media from what the Raiders were able to do in the draft and what the Raiders are doing in general. You'll hear that next in segment number two on the Locked On Raiders podcast. You are Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. 
All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two on the Locked On Raiders podcast, Wednesday, May the 1st, 2019. Your boy Q here, and it's good to talk about something positive, right? It's good to hear the Raiders talked about positive in the media. And I don't mean the media like me and you. I mean the media like the national cast, the guys that reach millions and millions of people at one time, a guy that could tweet out one thing and all of a sudden it's retweeted a bazillion times. You know, not cats like me. I'm, I'm what we call local media, not national media. But really good to hear these talking heads suddenly giving the Raiders lots of props, talking about how great their draft was, how things can be turned around quickly. I mean, it's just, it's really been an about face and it came really really quickly leading up to the draft a lot of folks were talking about the Raiders are going to go get a quarterback and the Raiders don't like Derek Carr and this and that and there was so much stuff going on so much mess kind of flying around it was more mess flying around than than all the allergies that were flying around in Nashville that I was soaking in with the wind all blowing that made me all stuffy up and I still am stuffed up if you can hear I'm still somewhat stuffed up but I'm doing all right I'm doing fine don't feel bad for me I feel great you know what I'm saying but it's just crazy how things have changed so quickly. And I don't mean just because these guys are talking highly on the Raiders means that they're going to have a great season and they're going to go and do big things. That doesn't matter. It's just funny how all of a sudden opinions have changed so quickly over the course of three days. Things have changed over the course of three days. And I, I attribute this to, one, the Mike Mayock effect, because I believe the national media loves Mike Mayock anyway. And then two, I think he went out there in that draft and flexed his muscles. And, and three, not only did he flex his muscles during the draft, he also flexed his muscles during the offseason when he was able to acquire Antonio Brown from the Steelers for a third and a fifth. He was also able to make some good moves during free agency, getting Tyrell Williams, getting Trent Brown, bringing other guys in, you know, getting uh, Vontez Burfitt there on a cheap deal, getting Brandon Marshall there on a deal, getting LaMarcus Joyner there on a deal. You know what I'm saying? Being able to make moves. And this is a member, a rookie GM. This guy's coming from TV. What's he going to be able to do? Remember all the slugs that were being thrown the Raiders' way when Mike Mayock took over? And only people that had faith in him and were happy and fired up about it was Raider Nation. Was us. We were the only ones that were fired up about Mike Mayock taking over as GM because everyone else was like, how in the world does he get a GM job? What does he know? He's just a guy on TV. Well, the guy on TV done done good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like like, like that old country dude that says, hey, uh, mama, uh, yeah, your boy's done good. Yeah, well, Mike Mayock has done good. He has done a damn good job. And so, for example, Mel Kuyper, who's one of the guys I do, I do respect him. Uh, sometimes he says some stuff that's a little silly, and, and maybe he's being a little silly right now. And, and again, you don't have to take everything that he says as gold. You know, it's not gospel just because he says it. And not saying that he means it 100% anyway, but... You know, and you'll hear him in his own in, in, in this little piece that I'm about to play for you. But Mel Kiper went as far as saying the other day on uh, Golik and Wingo that he feels like the Raiders could win the AFC West because of the draft that they had and because of the players that they added in free agency. And uh, basically summed it up saying that they were going to go ten and six. Here's Todd McShay and Mel Kiper talking about the Raiders draft and Mel Kiper going on a little bit farther and saying what he thought the Raiders could do this year. Go back and look at their entire draft. Pretty good. Really good. They're a, they're a better team today, no question, than they were a week ago. And it's not even close. Josh Jacobs is going to be their, their standout back. Jonathan Abram is a tone setter and will become a defensive leader Terrific at the, at the safety, com, safety position coming out of Mississippi State. They got a corner, which they needed, in, in Trayvon Mullen, and another one, a developmental guy out of Houston, and Isaiah Johnson, who's 6'3 like and a half and has long arms and, and really only has a year and a half of, of cornerback experience as a former wide receiver and a guy who, who I think will develop into a, a solid player. So they, they got better throughout this draft, and I, I think that Jacobs and Abram and Trayvon Mullen, Max Crosby, Isaiah Johnson, that run that they had from 24 right. to 129 was, was really good. Nine players they drafted, roughly? Yeah. yeah. Right. That's about 30 new players coming in, 20 to 21 right. through free agency. Now, that's going to propel them to the uh, AFC West title this year. Whoa, 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 whoa. I baited him last whoa. night, and now he's wow. doubling down. Whoa. You want Paul, bold predictions this Paul time of year? Yeah. Patrick Mahomes may have yeah. a thing or two to say about well, yeah. that. Yeah. Char- 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 Chargers wow. are still in that division, too, right? That's yeah. fine. Okay. I'm scared of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not I, scared of them. I'm not scared of them from the Raiders. The Raiders will, will be much improved. And could, he, he kind of baited me into that yesterday, and I said that they would win. They got me all fired up. Well, said, again, much improved could be doubling their win total, which would get them to 8-8. Eight and eight. I think they get so, to 10-6. You think they'll be 10-6? I do. Ladies and gentlemen, Mel Kuyper. Oh, write it down. In. Okay, now, look, we done gone through the schedule. I tell you my 
have feelings about it. When the schedule was released, I said the Raiders could go anywhere from 4-12 and 12 to 8-8. Eight and eight. I will say, with what they did in the draft, I do feel better with saying that they're, on paper, they could do something from 6-10 to 10 and... Like nine and seven, I, I do feel comfortable with that. So when he says ten and six, it's not really out of the realm of possibility. Again, we all know every single year there is a team that goes worst to first. I'm not saying they're going to do that, but he's not really way off base. And he's, and you know, he gave reasons. It's not like he just threw something against the wall and, and hoped it st- stuck. He said, "Look, they added thirty players on on the team." In this offseason, which they did. Not saying that every player is going to make the final 53, but there's 30 new players on that Oakland Raider roster. So they could turn turn things around pretty stinking quickly. So uh, I just like the fact that he came out and said that. And now I, I want to take it another step further because on my on my radio station, on ESPN Central Texas, we used to have pro football talk on uh, that came on before our show, Unnecessary Roughness. We had them on for like a couple months, and they were all right. But what I noticed from that is Mike Florio, he gave a dig at the Raiders any chance he could. And we all know Pro Football Talk on Twitter is always giving digs at the Raiders and always giving shots at the Raiders. And he has Chris Sims, who used to play for John Gruden, so he usually is on there, you know, co-signing with whatever Florio's got to say. Well, this was interesting, man, because they had Peter King on the other day, and they were talking about the Raiders' draft and the way that they went and got Cleveland Farrell. And Peter King, he actually did an article on Monday Morning Quarterback about the draft in a Cleveland Farrell. And I've been on record. As a matter of fact, I came on record immediately after the first round on Friday on the podcast. I said, yeah, four might have been a little high for Farrell, but that was their guy. And if you don't have a trade partner, you can't trade back. If there's nobody there to to trade with, you can't make a trade. But I was just interesting to see how Peter King elaborated on his Monday morning quarterback. And then he was on Pro Football Talk with Mike Florio and Chris Sims and was asked about the Raiders and the drafting of of Cleveland Farrell at number four. And this is what Peter King had to say. And then you'll hear Florio double down and you'll hear Chris Sims double down. Really interesting stuff from these three guys on PFT talking positive about the Raiders. Look, Peter... When everyone was surprised by the Cleveland Farrell draft pick at number four, my first thought is, hey, look, we wouldn't be surprised by it if Mike Mayock was still a draft expert. He'd have been banging on the Cleveland Farrell drum for the last three months, and the rest of us would have picked up on it, and we'd have expected him to be taken in the top five. So not having the benefit of Mayock's expertise made it harder for the rest of us to be ready for what Mayock was going to do. And look, it was a surprise. They took Cleveland Farrell at number four. You had a great point yesterday. They were hoping that the phone would ring. They believed they could trade down and still get him. The phone didn't ring. They had to take him. They got the guy they wanted. And I've got the impression across the board, Peter, that they got the guys they wanted. Here's the thing with their draft, Mike. I, I, I made this point that, you know, John Gruden is an impetuous guy. Look at this graphic right here, and I want you to look at Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Abram, okay? For a month, the the Oakland Raiders have focused almost solely on getting those two guys with the their second two picks in the first round. But Mike Mayock was convinced and convinced John Gruden, we are not giving up draft capital to go chase these guys. Trust our board, trust what we know about the other teams around us, and we know that we're going to get those two guys. Now, it got real hairy because Philadelphia traded up ahead of them, as I wrote in my column. They got very nervous that the Eagles, who loved Josh Jacobs, were going up to get him, but they didn't. And, And just a quick little note that I found very interesting. Right after they take Josh Jacobs, there's euphoria in the room. And now they're focused on Abram because that's the 24th pick. Now at 27, they have to wait for two other teams to pick and make sure they still get the safety from Mississippi State, Jonathan Abram. And they wait a second, and all of a sudden, you know, Mayock starts thinking, man, do I want to use a five to go trade with Baltimore at 25 to ensure we get our guy? And Gruden is like, do it, do it, do it. But Mayock said no. We're going to trust where we are. We're going to trust our process. They did. They ended up getting them. And so I think the moral of the story here is that they're no longer going to be just sprinting and doing all of these things to build their team just because it feels good. There's going to have to be a plan. And if you lose a guy or two along the way, you do. But I think that's one of the things that Mike Mayock has brought to John Gruden a sort of settling down of Gruden that I think is really going to help him 
in roster construction. Yeah, I think that's a great point you bring up, Peter, because, yes, I mean, John, I've been around him a lot. Gruden, he can be emotional and make emotional-based decisions at times. Mayock seems to be the guy to go, wait, chill out here. This is what makes sense here. Let's not go crazy just because of emotions here and mess up everything, you know, for years to come. They, the, the Oakland Raiders, Mike Mayock, did a phenomenal job. They killed the draft. Their first four picks are all going to be starting on their football team. The corner they got, Trayvon Mullen, uh, at the, you know, the 40th pick in the second round. I thought he was one of the best man-to-man cover corners in the draft. Uh, really, you could put the Raiders into discussion, uh, and this, this goes to Mike Mayock again, for winning the offseason. When you look at their free agency and go Antonio Brown, Trent Brown, you know, uh, Tyrell Williams, you know, some of the other uh, LaMarcus Joyner they got, uh, just Brandon Marshall, J.J. Nelson, all these players to improve the roster. They have really killed it. So to me, that's something. That's something to me when you get guys on pro football talk. They never, ever, ever, these are the same guys that were trying to go after John Gruden and the Raiders and, and Mark Davis for hiring John Gruden without uh, sur- surviving, not surviving, but, uh, you know, uh, sufficing, whatever. What the hell is the word for uh, satisfying? There it is, for satisfying the Rooney rule. You know, they. I mean, every single thing they're after the Raiders. Like, Mike Florio has something against the Raiders. I would love to just sit down and ask him. And I, he's, he actually was on the radio station at, at the Super Bowl, and I just never got a chance to ask him, like, Doc, what is the, what is your thing against the Raiders because he clearly has some kind of you know hang up with them and and I, hey whatever that's fine you don't have to like him no, nobody does that that's cool I I probably like him enough for everybody so I mean it, you know it is what it is but it was just interesting that all of a sudden on his outlet that's his thing on his outlet he's all of a sudden talking highly and talking positive and and having positive guests on all after three days of the draft after three days of Mike Mayock doing his thing pretty stinking unbelievable that they were able to turn that around just that quickly over, like I said, the course of three days. So now all of a sudden you're hearing all kind of talking heads saying, well, the Raiders, they killed it. Chris Sims, they killed it. They're killing it. Not only did they dominate the draft, but they, they, they're killing the offseason. Now you got to win. You can't just win the offseason because the Raiders have won the offseason before, but I don't think they've won the offseason on this level. Like the Raiders have gotten guys in free agency with a big name. You know, oh my goodness, they killed it. Like when they got Randy Moss, when they traded for Randy Moss, gave up their first round draft pick. Oh, they got Randy Moss. That's the best thing ever. Whatever. We all know how that shook out. Didn't shook out that great. We've already gone through the time period with the Raiders, especially in the Al Davis era where the offseason wins were easy. Go out and spend a bunch of money. That's awesome. But you got to get the right guys. This, to me, feels like the right guys are being had. I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. Again, I told you on uh, on Tuesday's show, I'm not going to, I'm not going to gas you up. I'm not going to uh, blow smoke at all. I'm going to tell it how it is, how I feel, what I think at all times. Good, bad, ugly. It doesn't matter. But this feels different. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, Rare Nation. Does this not feel different than what we as fans have been accustomed to over the years, on top of years, on top of years, on top of years? Not only does it feel like there's a plan, it feels like it's a right plan. And it feels like this plan is headed in the right direction. That's what I like, and that's what you're starting to hear from these talking heads. Now all we need is Colin Cowherd to come out and say that the Raiders did something great, and now we're cooking with grease. I know I said that earlier in the show, but it's all good. We're really cooking with grease, right? We got Friday's catfish, and you know Friday's catfish is all you can eat. <laughs> on Fridays, that's a rule. Catfish is all you can eat on Friday. If you get Colin Cowherd to come out and start saying some positive stuff about the Raiders and what they're doing moving forward, now you're cooking with grease on Friday when the catfish is all you can eat. Woo! That's what I like. Anyway, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I don't want to get too excited. What I do want to say is segment number three is coming up next. Calls up that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. You want to comment on anything you've heard so far on the show? Definitely holler at your boys, 707-654-4693. This is the Locked On Raiders podcast. You are Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number three today on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Going to hit those phone calls off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. A lot of folks ask me all the time, Q, why is the number 707-654-4693? Real quick story, when I started this podcast and I established that voicemail line, I went through Google, like it is what it is. And oh, by the way, if you ever call and it's just like a message, like an automated message, it's not going to be me. It doesn't say like, hey, this is Q from the Locked On Raiders podcast, which it probably should, but I don't 
don't have that on there. It's just an automated message. So if you ever think that, I wonder if this is the right number, it is absolutely the right number. I just have never gone in there and left a message for some dumb reason. I don't know. Everyone has been able to find it pretty easily, so I just wanted to throw that out there. But a lot of people have asked me, how that number become 707-654-4693? And I'll tell you, man, I went through Google to try to get the number, and I was trying to get like a 510 number or a 702 number or, you know, a 415 number, and those were all taken. And so then the numbers were really, 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 really random. And so then I started looking through, and I was like, all right, well, what numbers are available? And I saw 707. I thought 707 is the area code. You remember that old school uh, Be Legit and you know, E-40 when they were repping Vallejo all the time? And, uh, yeah, that was Be Legit who said that song. 707 is the area code. And plus I had fo folks that lived in, uh, in Vallejo, and I spent some time up in Vallejo hanging out. So I thought 707, man, I'll represent for, uh, for, the, for, the, for the Valley Joe. I'm okay with that. You know, shout out to Marine World. <laughs> I don't even know if that's still open. But uh, anyway, yeah, I had a lot of folks that lived out in Vallejo. I used to go out there uh, quite a bit. So anyway, shout out to the 707. So that's how the number became 707-654-4693. I know that that's probably not the conversation you wanted to have, but that's what we had. So, I'm going to get to as many calls as possible. Don't know how many I'll hit on uh, today's show, but depending on time, I'll, uh, I'll I'll definitely get to as many as possible. I got to be careful with my time. Some of these shows I've been doing have been like 70 minutes, and uh, yeah, man, at some point, that email is going to come. I haven't got it yet, but at some point, that email is going to come. So, uh, first call from Big Raider in the 208. Uh, he's calling to talk the draft and respond to Daryl in L.A.'s call on Tuesday about the reach for Cleveland Farrell. He also talks about the future of the Raiders and what direction they're headed in, and he is a first-time caller. That means he's a new booty. Big Raider in the 208. Hey, Q. Um, this is what you call a new booty. Um, kind of come up with a name. Everyone has a name. I was, I think I'm going to go with uh, Big Raider from 208. You know, it says uh, 530. I just picked up the Idaho, California. But uh, anyway, uh, just got done listening to Monday slash Tuesday podcast. Um I like what, uh, I can't remember his name from LA. Uh, he had to say that, uh, like, that, uh, about how, you know, every, the whole Cleveland Farrell was a reach, you know. Like, I like how he had to say that, you know, everyone's a reach in the, in the draft. He didn't know it was going to be possible. But I also wanted to add that from what I heard, Cleveland Farrell didn't run a 40 or didn't really work out in the, in the, in the draft, or not the draft, sorry, in the workout. And, uh, but the thing is, now that did, uh, Kyler Murray, but yeah, he went number one overall and nobody gave crap to anyone else for that. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to keep it too long, but I do, I, I, I love what they drafted. I felt very comfortable. Um, I just can't wait. I'm excited for the future, especially going to Vegas and, you know, they're going to be, I think they're going to be better than they were before, for sure. Um, and, uh, also, you know, um, just all the draft picks they have, all the character, love everything that they do, the hard work. You know, Derek Carr can't just sit there and make people work. You know, like if you have it or you don't, if you don't want to work, you're going to do it. So, anyway, um, love with other podcasts. I love your story. Love everything that, that you're doing. And I'm excited that, uh, got some, uh, Raider Nation represented here with, uh, 80,000 in one month. That's pretty cool. So, anyway, uh, hope you have a great day. Good call, my man. Definitely appreciate hearing from you. Now, a guy who's definitely not a new booty, Smith Raider in the ATL. He's calling to talk about the draft, what the Raiders were able to do, and how he feels about the players. He also he talks about a player that he pounded the table for and is thrilled that the Raiders picked him up. Here he is, Smith Raider in ATL. Q, Raider Nation. What's going on, you guys? Smith Raider here in Atlanta. Uh, Post-draft, I'm thrilled about it, man. I'm so happy with what we came out with. Addressing our first round, our three picks there. I believe, uh, this is a half, halfway quote, Dennis Green, I think these guys are who we think they're going to be. Like, I don't see any bust, really, potential with any of them. I think we're, we're, we're getting exactly what we think we're getting uh, with all of them. So, uh, really happy with that. Hunter Renfro, I counted, the, dude, I was counting the table for this guy, three different calls on this podcast, and uh, trying to light that torch for him, and I'm, I'm so thrilled when we drafted him. The biggest smile came across my face, man, because Carr's been plagued by drop passes, and we, we just haven't had that guy uh, that, that you know is, is going to catch the ball. And so we, we have him, man. I'm really, really thrilled about it. My last call a couple weeks ago, man, I said, I think we should get this guy in the second round. So 
Uh, really glad, glad that we came away with him in the fifth round. That's an absolute steal. One other steal I think we got is undrafted. Uh, rookie Lester Cotton out of Alabama. Watched a lot of Bama games this year, and Lester Cotton really jumped out at me as a, as a guy that can play in the NFL. Um, so I'm shocked that he went undrafted. So I think we're, he, I see him making the team and even probably getting playing time just from what I saw with him at, at Bama. Uh, and, and really, I mean, he, he moves guys. He moves them. So anyways, it's great to hear from everyone, Raider Nation. Good to hear from you, Q. Glad you're feeling better. Um, I'm glad you gave us the update on how many downloads the podcast has. I'm glad to hear it's going well. And I was wondering if you have access to this or if you're allowed to give out this information if you do have access. But I want to know where this podcast ranks. Uh, in terms of the other locked on like NFL podcasts and just the locked on podcast network in general, like I feel like we, we we're doing pretty well. And if someone's doing better than us, I want to know who it is and, and give them props because I, I Raider Nation's really turning up on this podcast, man. So if you can get that information and give it out, I would appreciate it. If not, I would understand. I mean, I, I know there's some things that uh, you don't want to get in trouble for. So, anyways, Q Raider Nation really pumped about this draft. Uh, next couple of months are going to suck. Now it's just going to be all speculation until we can actually see something. Uh, but anyways, man, super happy. You guys, peace out. Yeah, man, that's a good call. That's a good call. And that was a great call on Hunter Renfro. I'm glad you called and reminded me because I knew someone on this podcast had called in and spoke on Hunter Renfro and like, hey, man, this is a guy who doesn't drop passes. You got to pick him up. If they get a chance to pick him up, they need to do it. So, yeah, Smith Raider, you were absolutely 100% right. I remember you pounding the table for this dude, and I am with you, man. I'm with you 100%. I'm so glad they picked him up. That's going to be something that Derek Carr is going to love, a guy who doesn't drop the ball. Love that. Love that. Also, Smith Raider wanted to know where this podcast ranks as far as like the Locked On Network goes and how it ranks against others uh, on the network. And if I had that information, I would absolutely share it with you. I don't know how much I'm supposed to share with you, but I really don't care because we're all family and it's all good. And so I'll share it with you if I had it. We used to get these uh, these newsletters. Every single week we get a newsletter. No joke. David Locke would send out a newsletter every week and kind of tell us, like give us different directions and, and what he wanted us to do for the week and you know different commercials that we needed to read for the week and and, um, and then it would say like, oh, these are the top 10 ranked uh, shows for the week. And he would, uh, you know, list them off. And uh, the last time he did that was probably like two months ago, maybe two and a half months ago. And I remember that he said that the Raiders was the highest gainer or not the highest gainer, but it was like the, the, the number 11th as far as highest gain. Like it was really, really coming up and it has, I mean, I told you the numbers the other day about how we did uh, over 80,000 in the month of April. That's amazing to me. I don't know who's number one. Probably I would think like uh, locked on NFL in general, just because the NFL is such a huge, you know, piece and, and all of America loves the NFL. That's proven by what was in Nashville over the weekend, over 600,000 people <laughs> that, that just lets you know. So I would assume that locked on NFL is probably the number one one but I don't know but I I can tell you right now that I know how much this show has grown since I've taken over and even the 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 year of 2019 how much has grown since when I took over in 2018 you know what I mean so uh whatever whatever we're doing uh, I guess we're doing it really really well and uh hats off to to you know Raider Nation for for supporting the podcast and making it as big as it has because I really when I took over in August I never never ever thought that this was going to be as big as it has become. And, um, you know, it's, it's just been a lot of fun. I remember my, my show that I'll never forget, the September show, September 1st, 2018. That's the day that Khalil and Matt got traded. It was a Saturday. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I thought that for the longest, that was like my biggest show or the most downloaded show. And I think that was like 3,000. And that's it. There's been so many shows as of late that have been like 6,000, 5,000. Like just trump that like it's nothing. So this show is just growing and it's growing in leaps and bounds, and that's all because of you. It has nothing to do with me. I'm still the same dude. The only difference is you're promoting it to other people. You're shouting it out to other people. Uh, other people are finding it by whatever way they're finding it, but it has nothing to do with me. It's it's all what you guys are doing. So like I said, I appreciate that. But uh, Smith Raider, to answer your question without going on a long rant like I already did, if I find out those numbers, I'll definitely let you know. I have no problem with sharing those because I think that you have the right to know. So, uh, yeah, anyway, thank you so much for that call. I appreciate that. Let's keep this thing rolling. 707-654-4693. Seaport Raider. He's got a quite a lengthy call here. He's calling in to talk about my first-round podcast. I believe he was responding to the podcast I dropped on Friday, and he's actually calling in to disagree with me, which is absolutely fine, but he's calling in to disagree with me about Cleveland Farrell. So this is going to be an interesting call from my guy, Seaport Raider. Q, 
you. What's up, man? Um, it's a T4 Raider calling in. I know it's been a while since I called in, but I had to call and get my thoughts on uh, your, podcast, your podcast for the first round of the day. Man, I got to say the the first, this probably the first time I had to disagree with you about um, about something on here, but the way that, it's just the way that you're that, talking about, like, Cleveland Farrell is like, oh, it's a reach. Oh, he'll never be a superstar or something like that just because of where other people have to mock where have had to mock that. Like I don't get how that makes sense. Like these thirty these thirty two NFL teams with their scout teams, I'm sure they're not like sitting around like, Oh yeah, let's wait on Matt Miller and Todd McShay to make the picks for us. We gotta pick these players, whatever Todd McShay and all them say we should pick them at. Okay, then why is Todd McShay them not GMs or why they're not on the scout team? Why they're not in draft board rooms, draft rooms, whatever you want to call it. But they're on T V though. Or like, or the fact that like, oh, Nick Bosa and Josh Allen are going to be superstars just because Todd McShadem say, or whoever Matt Miller, whoever the mock draft that you focus on says, they're going to be superstars because of that, because of what they say. I'm like, how? how, how so, Cleveland Farrell is is basically you saying like, he's, there's no chance for him to be star. He never be never be like uh, top tier uh, defensive end or something like that because of. Where people got ranked at in mock drafts, like I don't get the correlation to that. I'm like, oh, so Nick Bosa and Josh Allen. Nick Bosa has one year of production, and then the next season he set out. Like, what did he do in college? First, besides being injured, Josh Allen has one good year of production. One good year of production. He stayed like all four years, I think. And he did good. And he did good at the combine. Half the people they got in the com- got uh, drink the Bahamas did all good at the combine. How was Cleveland Farrell a reach at four when Green Bay took freaking Rashawn Gary at 12? Like, he did nothing in college. Rashawn Gary did, didn't do crap in college. He was all all hype, no production, and all combine warrior. Like, are we supposed to go out the combine warrior because they want to go, like, who was the combine uh, Like, Bigfoot. He was a combine warrior, but he sucked for us. Uh... Like I'm, I'm not getting the correlation here. Like, oh, people are like, oh, we said they couldn't move back. You gotta have a trade partner. The trade partner move back first off. Are, are you, are you, are you just not gonna get the guy that you want? But it doesn't make sense. Uh, then we're talking about uh, like Josh Allen. Josh Allen is a three-four outside linebacker who isn't that good in the run game. He gets destroyed on the edge all the time. He can't set the edge that great, and he's a speed rusher. We already got Arden that in Arden Key. Why would draft that twice? So we got two people that get bulldozed in the run game. And are small, and all they do is speed rush. That's not going to work every time in the NFL. They they don't fit Paul Gunther's system. Cleveland Farrell is a big dude, just like Carl Dunlap, just like um, other people, them uh, defensive ends that were in uh, Paul Gunther's system. That's the, that's the guy that he wants and they like. If Mike Mayock had was was not in the booth and was on TV and him had had what you call had on um, Cleveland Farrell ranked top five, well, no, I would say anything. Are we forgetting that Mike Mayak was the number one draft pundit? He was the guy that everybody waited on every year the day before the draft to drop his mock draft, and he was bright most of the time. Mommy, well, not most of the time, more times than every other one. Mel Kuyper and everybody else, he's better than all of them. And if he chose him, he said he's writing that him and Nick Bosa are one and two. And Cleveland got better production than Nick Bosa, got two championship rings, was the best person on the defensive line. He got all of that, and Mike May has his, has him next to Nick Bosa as his number one defensive project prospect. How is the fact that he's like because all because all what everybody else say is like, oh, he's not going to be good because of what everybody else said. People that want to be him, Tom McShay, Autumn, and Mel Kiper wish they were Mike May. So I'm trying to I don't get that kind of correlation, man. I just don't. Like, I'm gonna ride up, and I shouldn't be, but I'm like I don't understand how everybody just in there like just because they say so. Uh, who are they drafting? They're right. They're wrong. What time they are anyway? Especially Mel Kiper and everybody else. They're wrong at the time anyway. These these these, these NFL teams ain't putting them in the ain't putting them in their rooms. Why are they not getting jobs? They in the booth on TV. If they were that good, they would be they'd be a GM. My Meg was that good to get good enough to be a GM. They're not. So I don't understand this whole he would never be great or something like that. Just off rip. We haven't even do slay yet. But I don't know, man. It's just I, I just can't deal. I just can't deal with that. Like, oh, we we already gonna put put a label on him. He'd never be great. He'd never be top tier because of what Tom McShay says or something like that. Like, I don't know. All right, man. I, I like to join the other time, man. I just I just couldn't agree with you on on the on the one the other day ago. I don't know if you mind changing this in or whatever. I just stopped stopping in the middle of it. 
get my thoughts, man. Keep it good work any other any other time though. I mean, still do a good job. I love the show, but I just didn't agree with you on that one, man. All right. All right. Now, what I said is this is going to be an interesting call because I don't think you quite understood me, or or maybe. I don't know. Maybe you maybe you just misunderstood what I said or maybe you heard somebody else and, and you're saying, I don't know. I don't think that I and, and correct me if I'm wrong in anyone. This goes to anyone. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't ever think I made a big deal about Cleveland Farrell being drafted number four. Matter of fact, I know for a fact on Friday, one of my biggest things was I was shocked that they took him at four as the video that's floating around on Twitter will show you. My, my guy Craig Smoke took a video of, of me when that pick came in and I said at four. You take him at four? I remember I, I did that, but then I realized after the shot kicked in a few minutes later, I realized that, look, they probably wanted him at 11, or they probably wanted him at 12, or maybe seven or eight, but they didn't have a trade partner. That, that's something that they wanted to do. I, I really think I said that on Friday's show. I think I said that in, in great length. I think I said that on Monday's show. I think I said that on Tuesday's show. Oh, actually, I didn't have a show Monday. I think I said that on Tuesday's show, though, that I didn't have a problem with Cleveland Farrell going at number four because, one, he's a hell of a player. One, he's an absolute dog. I was face-to-face with him at the college football uh, playoff game when, uh, when Clemson played uh, Notre Dame in Arlington. I was there. I took a picture with him, tweeted it out, and was like, man, who wants a pass rusher? Little did I know the Raiders were going to go pick him. I don't think I ever had a problem with him being drafted at number four. So I understand like your whole argument and everything that you're saying that you disagree with me with. I totally agree with you, 100%. So I'm not too sure. Maybe somehow we got our paths crossed or, or our wires got crossed and, and you misunderstood what you heard or maybe you heard a call and you, you didn't hear me. I, I'm not too sure because if you go back and listen to the podcast, and I can do the same, and I'll do that. I mean, I, can't, I don't have the capability of doing it right now. I, I can go back and, and pull the audio of me speaking on Matter of fact, I'll do that for the next show for you. I, I, I can pull the audio of me going back and saying what I thought of Cleveland Farrell, and I thought I went pretty detailed about him being fine at number four, and I didn't have an issue with it. Matter of fact, I know for a fact I said on Tuesday, because my mom texted me and said, I think we could have done better at number four, and I said, no, nah, he'll be fine. I know I said that for a matter of fact, because she did text me with that. Mama Q did text me with that, and she's always going to speak her mind. She's not going to sugarcoat anything. So I think Seaport Raider, I think we're on the same page. I absolutely do. I think this dude is going to be a hell of a player. I think he's a foundational player. Matter of fact, I know for a fact, and I, I even said – that Mike Mayock came out and said he wanted to trade back but just didn't have a trade partner. And I've said that a few times. And if you don't want to listen to me, you can listen to Mike Mayock himself. Matter of fact, he was on the Rich Eisen show, and he was talking about why they took Cleveland Farrell at number four and what really happened. Because Rich asked him, like, well, there was other guys on the board, other guys that you know were, were looked at as better draft picks at number four. Why did you go with Cleveland Farrell? This is what Mike Mayock had to say. Yeah, you know, for us um – He's a three-down player, and we felt like uh, some of the, the top-edge guys may not be ready yet to set a physical edge. And um, so for, as far as the football piece of it, he fits our scheme. He's a three-down defensive end. He sets a physical edge, and, and he's got big sack production. Um, you know, if you want to take a shot at him, do you say, is he as athletic as some of the other kids? Um, maybe not. He didn't run a 40. Don't know what he ran. Uh, at the end of the day, were we open to moving down, knowing we could still get him? Absolutely. But that didn't materialize. Uh, but the bottom line was we knew going in that he was going to be our guy. And whether it was at four or seven, eight, ten, whatever, he was going to be our guy. And we're excited we got him. Now, on the flight out to Nashville, Mike, I was watching uh, the NFL Network, and, and they were showing our draft coverage from last year in Dallas. And the Browns are on the clock, and I throw to you. And the first thing you say is that you're looking forward to hearing who this person is for many reasons from the Browns. But it's John Dorsey's first pick as the general manager there. And as the first pick of a general manager, you need to set a tone. And then you you started describing what that means for a first-time general manager. And I, I as soon as I saw all, you know, all the producers there that you know so well, I'm like, we got to pull that sound because – this is this is Mike Mayock talking about what a general manager is going to do first time out, and you had that selection in Farrell. How has that kid fit that soliloquy that you gave last year about a first-time GM setting the stage? He's 100% what I was talking about a year ago. Uh, a moment ago, I talked about him as a football player, but just as important, if not more so, is the makeup of the kid. And I think what you're trying to do, Rich, is two things. You're trying to be consistent throughout the draft, 
with the type of kid you're bringing into the building. But that first pick for me as a new GM, I felt like it was important to set a tone. And John Gruden and I talked a lot about this. And, you know, since the day I walked in the building, John and I have talked about foundation players. And to me, foundation is defined as talent and character. And underneath character has to be a high football passion, a love of the game. And that's where Farrell stood out on top of Cleveland Farrell, the football player. He's a leader. He was one of, I think, nine kids. His father had passed when he was 13. He had been through adversity. When you talk to the Clemson players that won that national championship, and we talked to a bunch of them, obviously. Yes. <laughs> uh, we, and we asked who was the leader of that defense. Every single guy said Clee Farrell. So the message we sent, I think, to our own team was how important these foundation guys are. You better be, you, you better be a leader. You better be great in the locker room. And, and you better be a damn good football player. All right, so there was Mayock on, on why they got Cleveland Farrell at number four. Again, you heard him say right there they would have loved to trade back, but it didn't happen. Nobody called their phone, and, and they weren't able to make anything happen, so they had to go with their guy. But that was their guy. That was their guy. Like, Nick Bosa was their number one edge rusher, in their opinion, and Cleveland Farrell was their number two guy. You heard what he said about foundational players. You heard that he said they asked everybody on that, that Clemson defense who the leader was, and it was Cleveland Farrell. That's what sold them on it. I didn't have no problem with that. I think that we're on the same page, and you kind of, I don't know. Like I said, maybe our wires got crossed, and, and a call that you heard, you thought maybe it had been me, but it wasn't me. I'm with you, my, my man. I, I'm absolutely with you. So, yeah, again, I'll, I'll pull the audio for you on, a, on, on Monday's show. Or not Monday. Damn, I keep saying that. On Tuesday's show and Friday's show if you'd like. And if, if there's something else, I mean, definitely correct me. Hit me up, 707-654-4693. Hit me up and let me know what you're talking about. Maybe, maybe I'm misunderstanding you. But from the sound of your call, you think that I'm upset that they grabbed Cleveland Farrell at number four. Let, me, let it be known right here, right now. I have no problem with it. I like the pick. I like all three of their first-round picks. A lot of people were mad at me because I was banging the table for Josh Jacobs at number 24. You don't drive a running back in the first round. I had no problem with that. What are, you, what are your thoughts on, on that one, Seaport Raider? Let me know. Again, and I'm not arguing with you. I'm just trying to clarify so we're all on the same page. And, again, you don't never have to dis, uh, agree with me on this podcast. That's the beautiful thing about it. You can call in, and we've had so many examples of it. People could call you and let you know. There never has to be an agreement on this podcast. That's what we're here for is to talk about it. 707-654-4693. I, I, I'm fine with the pick of Cleveland Farrell at number four. I did say I thought it was a little high, but it was cool. I, I'm not, I have no problem with it. You got to make the pick. And if that's your guy, you go get your guy. I have no problem with that. So, uh, yeah, that, that's where I stand on that. So uh, I'm looking at the time right now, and I spent way more time on that call than I thought I was going to. So I'm just going to shut it on down right now. I'm going to shut it on down. Uh, this was a great episode. I really enjoyed it. I'll tell you right now, coming up on Thursday's show, I'm going to be talking to my man Chris Plank. At the, remember uh, at Plank Show on Twitter? Uh, I've talked to him before free agency and the draft. He, uh, he does uh, Sooner Sports Radio up in Oklahoma. He's a big-time Raider fan. He's on Fox Sports. Uh, he's got a lot of good opinions on the Raiders. I'm going to be talking to him. So that will be on Thursday's episode. Depending on the time of that, I might get that audio on there from a Tuesday show and Friday show talking about what I thought about Cleveland Farrell and Seaport Raider. Please hit me back, though, 707-654-4693. Hit me back and, and let me know your thoughts, and, and, and maybe we can get on the same page. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you 100%. I ain't got no problem with, uh, with Cleveland Farrell at number four. So uh, Raider Nation, it's been a fun show. I appreciate all the input. I appreciate all the calls. Uh, hopefully you've been enjoying it. Again, coming up on tomorrow's show, you'll hear from Chris Plank at Plank Show on Twitter from uh, Sooner Sports Radio. He's on Fox Sports Radio. He's a big-time Raider fan. He was on our show before talking uh, free agency, talking draft. Good dude. You'll hear from him on Thursday on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Until then, as always, Raider Nation, just win, baby.